0: like i'll go through the whole day without smoking and have a drink at night i'll have a couple of cigarettes there you go yeah i'm not going out you know and smoking i used to have a cigarette after my meals too but i cut that out just just wasn't doing it for me anymore
1: where are you palm beach county florida
2: oh good for you okay guys we all live
0: how come you left baltimore (laughs) what's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. My name is Mark DeMeo. I'm your host. My co-host is with me today. He's my partner in all things law enforcement. What's up, Bill Cannon? Hey, happy to do this show tonight. Jay almost looks a little bit like me. You
2: know, he's from Baltimore. But had, if I had the mustache, we'd almost look like brothers, you know?
0: That's good, man. He's got the, the old cop face. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, without further ado, let me introduce our guest. He's a retired uh, Baltimore police sergeant. He's the current host of Law Enforcement Daily. He has a national, uh, he's a DJ on a uh, nationally broadcast stations. Uh, thanks for, for, for joining us, John. Jay Wiley.
1: Pleasure to be here, guys. It's a—it's an honor. I had Bill on the show not long ago. Uh, Mark will you in the future to do it. Um, I just found out today we got our 41st radio station uh columbus indiana covers about half of indianapolis and the estimated population right now is about 18.6 million combined uh for where we broadcast the show And it's law enforcement today uh it's been syndicated about a year and a half about a year and seven months and we started as a podcast only back in march of 2017 and you're right when i retired from radio i started pursuing a career uh when i retired from police work rather i started radio and i'm also a music dj at a florida station in the keys Uh, i do a midday show there
2: wow you got a lot
1: going on (laughs) busy guy we talked about this bill when i retired i was like what am i going to do with my time i'll i'll be so bored
2: i wish i had time to be bored now so you thought you started as a podcast and so there's hope for us there is, don't there is,
1: the here's the wonderful thing, guys. And, and we'll talk a, a, about why I think police are really good when it comes to broadcasting, but there are so many opportunities now. Uh, podcasting is the door. Uh, and a lot of people become very, very good at podcasting. They don't have to pursue radio, but a lot of radio stations are looking for good content and they're looking for shows that, that don't fit the stereotypical political news talk talking head expert opinion thing so yeah pursue it chase it uh i've met quite a few retired police that are in broadcasting now and uh it's it's a good field i like it a lot
2: well we're definitely chasing the dream mark and i've been doing this for 16 months and i think we're between i don't know half a million to seven hundred thousand downloads i don't have the exact numbers but we built it just from a grassroots Holy
0: shit he knows the exact numbers i don't know he It up every day <laughs>
2: I'm there every day checking, you know, because we want to start getting paid, you know. That's
1: the thing. You know, I, I use the analogy. when I ta- I also teach part-time at uh, a broadcasting school. And I use, use the analogy of horsepower and torque and drag racing. Uh, torque is what gets you off the line. Horsepower is what keeps you going. So in podcasting world, passion for what you do is what gets you off the line. Monetization keeps you going. Uh, if they do it for free all the time, it becomes, a, it's a lot of work, you guys know. Um, so you've got to find a way to to get monetized and that's why I think police are, are really good too because we tend to just be straightforward when it comes to doing any kind of conversation about money, it's just straightforward. And um, I, I, don't, I don't play a lot of games and I don't do the typical sales stuff. It's like, here's what we can do. If we can fit your needs, let's make it happen.
2: Now, Jay, I know you told me, but With the 41 stations, you have a potential audience of 16 million. Is that
1: correct? Uh, 18.6 million now.
2: Wow. I don't think they're going to like Mark.
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) The the way we do it, we figure it out. Nielsen, for example, estimates that 93% of the American public listens to radio during weekdays and daytime. Our shows, primarily on weekends, they say it's about 73%. I use an an average of 70. News Talk does about a 9.6 share. It's one of the most popular formats in radio, still in the United States. And I figure ours at about seven, which would put us right around 800,000 listeners.
2: Wow, that's pretty damn good. It's good. You you definitely have that radio voice down, though, too. I thought I was talking to the radio the other day,
1: you know? And and the face for it, too. I like to eat, so that's why I'm on TV.
0: (laughs) <laughs> hey um I want to talk about your police career a little bit. Uh, so you were you were a, a, a cop in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh we all know from The Wire I guess that was everybody's first experience if you didn't live in Baltimore to find out how dangerous it, some parts of Baltimore actually are. Um i am I'm, I'm thinking the, the Wire was probably in the 90s, right? That's that's uh when they were they were focusing their shooting time, right? It was, um, I was there
1: in Baltimore from 1980 till uh, February of 1992. I got hurt. Uh, it was a car thief who tried to shoot me with my service revolver while still stole my hand. That's how long ago it was. Sure. Um, and I remember, if you guys probably can relate to this, what I tell people is there's a phrase we hear in court a lot. And, and I think exception to it because people make it sound like we're, we're soft. Uh, fear for my life and what that means basically is i can't testify to what other guys intentions were all i can tell you is how i felt in this fight with the guy i knew he's trying to kill me Uh, and i i thought to myself i had a very clear thought and it was i'm gonna die but it's not gonna be tonight and it's not gonna be because of you and i'm gonna do whatever it takes to walk away from this and fortunately we both did uh, I thought I sprained my wrist. I wound up having three surgeries, two steel plates, total fusion of right hand and wrist, and uh, was, was retired at the ripe old age of 33. Wow. And you went right into radio after that? About five years later, I, I started doing computer stuff, and uh, I, I started what we call podcasting now, back in the early days of the internet. Uh, we were doing a biker show, motorcycle-themed show, and it was called, we had, uh, Biker Bros, then it was uh, Biker
3: get Talk Radio. radio and and I didn't
2: know the highway looking for yeah. adventure. <laughs> and then it went whatever to, comes my way. Yeah, I didn't know you could sing.
1: Um, <laughs> then we went to a, a radio station where we bought our time, and that's where I really fell in love with it. Uh, they call that Brokered Stations, and that's how a lot of people get started in uh, talk format.
0: Hey, if you want to see Bill sing, you can go on his Facebook page. I don't. <laughs> no, no, you should. It's definitely worth it. He sings okay. every day. He's got his guitar. He records himself singing.
2: Well, you know, was
0: people, during this pandemic,
2: people were really sad and staying in the house. So when it first started, I was doing a song.
0: Bill, so, Bill wanted to, so Bill wanted to make them sadder.
2: Yeah, well, so I played a song, one song a day for a while. And I got tired of it. I was like, the hell
0: with them. Let them be sad. You know? So uh, when you got hurt, did, were you depressed afterwards? Did you did you, yeah. did you? still want to be... Did that hurt you? It did. Like, I, and I I was, I'm talking about emotion. Like, you know, if you really yeah. love the job and you get hurt in the middle of it while you were still having fun, that seems to affect a lot of officers badly. You know, they, they were in the middle of their career. They were having a great time, and now it's over.
1: That's, that's exactly what happened. I, uh, I really took probably three, four years before I started getting my head screwed on right and finding a new passion and new things to do. And and I had the difficulties that I, I'm a firm believer uh, that anybody that's in law enforcement long enough is going to get dinged up. They're going to they're physically and also mentally. I, I heard the gunshots when I was trying to go to sleep. I, I woke up with nightmares. I had all the issues that, that we all talk about. Um, but I tell people that that was then my life is so much better now that you would never know it doesn't mean that i'm the same guy i was when i was 18 that's that's impossible but i've learned how to have a happy full productive life be happily married have a good career uh look i say uh,
0: i call it uh building your bubble yeah that's what I wanted to do, like, you know, towards the end of my, you know, when I was getting close to retiring, and and by that time, I was already a comic for years, and an actor for years. I just wanted to, I wanted to be like everybody else. I didn't want to talk about death all day, or I don't know, who got robbed, who got raped. I just wanted to be like everybody else and live in my bubble, you know? But that that was after 20 years, that, you know, towards the end, I had, you know, I, I wanted to just go and do something else. But I think that's important that you find a passion when you retire, and I, and I also... That's what we uh, this show is basically um, not only we, we interview and we get to know really great law enforcement officers and prosecutors and, you know, journalists and stuff like that. But we also get to find out with the cops anyway, uh, what what they usually have exciting careers afterwards. All our guests have had exciting, real, uh, real fulfilled lives afterwards with with their next journey.
2: You know, and Jay, from a historical point of view, we like the cops on the job now to hear what the cops were like 20 years ago, 30 right. years ago, and see what the job was like then. Because, as you know, it's changing by leaps and bounds, and not in a good direction. You know, so when they hear the way the cops used to work, they're like, "Oh my God, that was amazing!" You know, I wish I was on the job then. You know, but uh, unfortunately, it's it's not changing for the better, and like we just want to keep the morale up by, you know, sort of targeting these great people in law enforcement. You know?
1: I don't know how they do the job today. Um, I, I, if I had to be a police today, I would absolutely insist on having a body camera. And I must wish we had them back then because it would automatically cleared about 99% of the IID numbers I got for running, supposedly running my mouth and saying things I shouldn't have said. Um, <laughs> I wasn't perfect, I wasn't an angel. And every now and then you slip up and say something you shouldn't say. Um, If people judge me by my worst five minutes of my life, they get a totally incomplete picture of who I am as a person. And that's the same way with, I think, all all police. I I love, 99% of the the cops I meet and talk to, we have, we say the the brotherhood of blue, the family of blue. There's a real kinship. and I think it's important that you're absolutely right that the young men and women who are doing the job now. One of the things I take exception to is well, we the big difference now is video cameras. Everybody's got them. So yeah. you're you're in a fishbowl just like you were before, but now they're videoing you. Um, so you have to be on your P's and Q's all the time. When you and I were doing the job, and Mark, although you got a lot of color in your hair, I assume you did it a long time <laughs> ago, we had. More I, think, I think it's,
2: the, I think it's yeah. the Grecian Formula 44.
1: No, no, no! I got the grades <laughs> right there. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, we had more police shot, more police killed. We had more terrorist bombings. We had the advent of crack. We had uh, weather underground, Sibionese, Liberation Army. All this other stuff that's going on today, we dealt with back then. Um, bombings left and right. I personally didn't have any to do, do with that, but a lot of police lost their lives, and there's a lot of things that police today can learn from the old wheel gun cops of the of the '60s, '70s, and '80s. Right, definitely.
2: Except they don't have the tools that uh, a lot of the tools they had are being taken away from them right now. You
1: know, which is the nightstick. Yeah. Uh, the, the s, we call it s pampin in Baltimore, uh, and I was taught early on that thing would save more lives than anything else I carried, because uh, a it kept people away from you. Uh, B. If you crap someone in the leg with that thing, there we usually the, the fight was usually over. Right. So if you had that, and we always had it in our non-gun hand and spinning it, the first thing was it kept people at a distance. Now we're talking about social isolation and at least six feet away. But these cops don't have anything. I watch these these riots and protests, and people are this far from them, screaming uh, in their face, blowing spit crazy. bubbles. Yeah, yeah. No, no. That, that should never happen. They should never get that close.
2: And then you lost all the terms, like a wood shampoo, Cocoa Bola outrised, <laughs> yeah urbanized. You, you lost all those great
1: terms, you know? <laughs> well, I think people knew too, that, that when the stick got raised, when the s got, the first thing we did, we got Academy. We got rid of the department last year and got one from the old timers that made them uh, yeah. in our basement and they were big and they were heavy. We called them like table legs. They were huge. <laughs> the minute you raised one of them, people knew business was going to happen, and they usually de-escalated. The term that people love to use nowadays, they usually de-escalated rather quickly. But if you had to use it, it was quick, and it was uh, vicious, and it was over.
0: <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, that's the thing, you know, it's, uh, they don't really have many weapons on their gun belt anymore. So, I mean, I remember when we coming out of the academy, and they gave me, like, we, with it, they just gave you all these things. Like, I remember having the, that, remember that lead that lead thing? It, it was lead, but it was in leather... <laughs>
2: It was called the slapper I yeah that, that was it that,
0: yeah. that used to go in the palm of your hand no, but
2: they, they didn't give that to you that was a
0: special buy <laughs> no no i got that right coming out of coming out of the academy uh, really yeah then you got a little club like this a oh the billet the,
2: the billet yeah
0: they called that i don't know what the hell that was for <laughs> so and, you know, if you can't handle yourself um you know with your hands and you don't have any other weapons to go to the first thing you do is you're gonna go to the, you're gonna go to your gun right then what well now you now you fucked <laughs> yes then, then having, what? The, you're, having
2: you're, the gun in your hand can be a handicap to you if it's yeah it sure
0: i mean if you're fighting with somebody and you're not going to shoot them and then they don't have a weapon and you're, you're trying to hold your gun back here it's better off if you just put it away and, and fight him
1: well that's basically what happened to me i was trying to holster the weapon i had him down and the guy was he was also high uh, on crack and And I jokingly say he's built like Lawrence Taylor. I hit this guy with everything I had and I could not get the gun holstered in time and the fight was on. And it was all turned around, pointed at my face uh, while I still had it in my hand. Uh, And that was just, that was one out of four shooting incidents. And the first two, unlike what people hear in the media, I didn't return it fire. It just, you just knew it wasn't right. The last one, uh, the four, before that one, murder, robbery head-on collision gunfight in the middle of the street with a 45 and i got a 38 revolver no cover and you're like what do you do you you are you are sol if you i realized I, I had two rounds left and he's trying to reload and i'm like what do i do
2: this is like an episode of the wire <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of the the
1: wire the funny thing is my wife hasn't seen it i thought her, we've been binge watching stuff this pandemic um that i see people i knew i see bits of their characters but they'll take like characters of five six seven eight police and put them in one guy yeah uh, and, and so you'll see little things like the, the name bunk that's a real person these are real people we worked with that we knew and they're all colorful characters they were great they were great men and women they really were
2: phenomenal the, the, police. the guy who plays the guy who plays mcnulty yeah he's so he's so great and he's english yeah, you
3: know, isn't that funny?
2: It's an English actor. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just found out we're watching uh, Deadwood again, which we saw a long time ago. And there's a woman named Paula Malcolmson who plays Trixie. Uh, she also played Abby and Ray Donovan. And turns oh, out yeah, yeah, she's yeah. From, she's from Northern Ireland. I'm like, get out of here! Yeah, yeah. You hear the no. talk of a normal accident, it blows you
0: away. I love Deadwood I love the show but I didn't like the uh, the movie they made it was it was nah. kind of depressing in a way I didn't want to see those characters so much older you know Look and, and um, swearinger like he was um he was even though he wasn't like a, like physically imposing he was a tough guy and he, he he had brains and now you see him frail I didn't want him to see him yeah. like that and then he yeah. did I, I didn't care for the movie that much I, and I was looking forward to it too
1: I didn't like the movie at all for the same reasons. It almost it was better off saying, let me figure out what happened in my mind. And the story ended the way that I wanted to end, not the way they came out with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%, man. It was a shame, too, because I was looking forward to that movie. I love that show, that would. But uh, I, I noticed on one of your tweets, uh, you said, uh, don't let the politicians fool you. Yeah. They say they aren't planning on backing down anytime soon
1: right? The autonomous zone, uh, CHOP in, in Seattle. And why would they? What there's, there's a carrot and stick mentality that you all all of us know about. And if they're not being challenged and not being threatened, there's no reward for them not to leave. And there's no threat of anything bad happening in their minds. They're not going to get arrested. The police aren't going to go stand up to them. There's going to be no Wood shampoos. There's gonna be none of that stuff, uh, and so they'll do what they want. They'll dictate the terms, and they're in no rush. Why would they be? Right. Hey, but they get um, free publicity they, too.
0: Yeah, but since then, they've actually. Uh, she's uh, the mayor said she was gonna uh, take it down. She's in negotiations with them right now to to take it down because they had their third uh, shooting there. Do you think
1: the mayor's actually gonna lead the charge?
3: Sure.
0: Well, it's nobody ever leaves the charge. What happens is they don't want the police. They don't want the police. And now when she says, okay, we got to break this up, who's she going to send there? She's yep. going to send the police. And if they yep. these people decide they don't want to go yet, um, so she's trying to like, <laughs> I
2: don't know. <laughs> you know, though. Don't, you, don't you don't negotiate from weakness. You negotiate no. from strength. Right. And right exactly. away she's a loser because she's negotiating from being a very, very weak mayor, you know, and it's, that, that's going to end poorly. The only way they can just go in there, if they go in there with un, you know superior force and they just convince them, I think you guys should lay down your weapons or you know we're going to lay you down. That, and I don't see them doing that. Though.
0: They set up another one in Minneapolis now and they took over a park. And there's like, I don't know, like 300 homeless people living there now. They took over but, the park.
2: They just took over uh, City Hall. They're well, they're living
0: in the park now. If you go to that park, and that's a park where kids play,
2: they're camping out there. And, and well, yeah, they moved in where they live now. They're getting free pizza and free cookies and free coffee. And...
1: <laughs> where do I sign up for that? I'll take the free yeah, pizza, yeah. cookies, and yeah, coffee. Yeah, I
2: thought we were the ones that were supposed to get free yeah. co- uh, coffee.
1: <laughs> these now, people, these people have been invited in by the politicians. That's the way I look at it, yeah, and I, right. I stay away from partisan politics because. Most police are, are like me. We've seen both sides of what they do and what they say. And rarely do they match up. And uh, yeah, they'll send they'll send some poor cops in there to, to rouse these guys and there's someone's gonna get hurt. Police are gonna get hurt. And some of those citizens that are there foolishly following the lead of other people are gonna get hurt as well. Because Bill's right, there's been no show of force, there's no sign of strength to begin with.
0: Well, there's also a, a lawsuit um... Put together by the the business owners in that seattle chop uh zone and i think they there's uh there's a bunch of businesses that have that are in this uh, this federal lawsuit now because they, they you know it's the government's job they pay for protection basically right. you know it's in your right. taxes and it's the government's job to, to, to protect you and that that poor guy that owned that um the car place where he he caught the guy who was trying to burn his business down and then he had to let him go and the cops never came and they weren't coming. And I'm sure that was, that, that's an interesting situation to be in because we're so used to, if you watch or any of these videos in the middle of the arguments, I'm going to call the police. Everybody's saying that, like, I'm going to call the police. Even the people that like, like Tifa <laughs> that are getting beat up now, they're surrounded, they're gonna punch. call the cops, call the cops. And like, It's just, it's in your subconscious. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And to think that you're going to—I um, mean, this is—if anybody is is lined up for a raise right now, it's police. I—I I saw some uh, somebody's offering. Um, oh, Florida, the governor there wants to give like a uh, five hundred million dollars towards a raise for the teachers there. I—you're th- gonna see, man. These cops are all gonna get money to stay. They might give it to them under the table, but
2: they're gonna have a hard—they're gonna have a hard time recruiting anyone. Yep. In any state in the union, if this. Gonna- You know, well, you know,
0: if if you think about the future, the way policing is going to be, they're going to have um, there's a lot of things that a police aren't going to be responsible for doing anymore, like the social work, the taking care of the homeless. They'll have clinicians going out for that also, too, with EDPs. And and as a matter of fact, in the NYPD, the program that I'm involved in there, you're supposed to already have a clinician that that thing is like kind of sort of like, um. In limbo right now but the the whole idea of the program is to for cops to come and get trained in learning how to identify mental illness and then if there's supposed to be an EDP card so basically you're, you're supposed to be responding to any type of calls emergency uh, emotionally disturbed person and you're supposed to have a clinician in the back so that was a, uh, an idea that was already implemented I don't see anything new in anything that um they're asking for even if it's down to defunding the police Uh, these metropolises their goal is to um, they want to privatize police they want to unleash the the, get rid of that burden of having these these heavy this heavy uh budget you know because the police and all the the jails and ems they all take a lot out of the budget and they Mm -hmm. want to use that money to give away to uh to people social service programs like yeah yeah so They want people who can afford to police themselves. And the irony of it all is in that Seattle uh, place, the CHOP, they hired their own private security. First of all, the whole thing is so, just think about this. They got rid of the police. And as soon as they asked them to leave and uh, they put up a barricade, they put armed guards there and then they checked IDs and patted you down. So, and then once you got into the zone, The people that lived there that that had nice houses there, they hired their own private security. So they had a security company there that would patrol um, and making sure that whoever was there part of in that chop zone wasn't coming in their area. So that's basically the future for you. If you can afford security, you're gonna pay
1: for it. it. If you can afford it, if you can live in these gated communities the big mansions that have your own private security or HOAs and all that stuff, you're going to be okay. You're not going to be affected. It's the people who live in the areas where a lot of us policed, where it was high crime. Uh, Most of them were renters. They were in, they had tenement landlords and they lived in despair and worked hard to get out of there. Uh, And they have very little options, but when does their voice matter? Uh, I'm not saying to be, a pun um or take off or rip off anybody else but their voices because they didn't have a lot of political clout didn't seem to matter it didn't matter that 15 year olds are getting murdered every day the, the the city government in baltimore would do nothing about it except window
0: dressing it's all they did right also chicago yep. i mean this weekend every weekend we talk about Oh, what a nightmare it was in Chicago. 25 shootings, 13 deaths. But this weekend topped it all. There was a, a three-and-a-half-year-old girl that died and also another girl who was dancing with her mother in the living yeah. room. She got shot in the neck. She died.
2: You know, the, 90s, the, show. the, the 90s, 90s in New York City, kids used to sleep in the bathtub because, yeah. the, the, you know, the gunfire would come up into their apartment. So their mothers would put them in the bathtub to shield them from the bullets.
0: They I used to sleep to the in board. the bathtub too, but that's because I, I was drunk and I, I couldn't make it to my bed.
2: <laughs> well, you, were, you weren't the one the government was worrying about, you know? And the other thing is, we had we had a, uh, a very... Uh, Dr. Maki Haberfeld, she's, a, uh, she's from John Jay College, and she's an expert on policing and community policing and all this stuff. And she, to our surprise, said when we interviewed her, she goes... What other profession does the community tell you how to do your job? She goes, the the community has no business telling the police how to do their job. They have business having input and helping the police do their job, but not insisting this is how we want you to do our job. This is what the politicians are insisting on now. But the community, they they want someone from the community to appoint each commanding officer of a precinct.
0: How what, is that? what they want is, they, they want the person that's willing to get shot any day on behalf of them. And it's like, it's a yeah. give and take. It's like, okay, I took a vow to, you know, to pre- protect and serve, but I also have to protect myself, too, and my fellow officers. Right, right. Do you know what I'm saying? It's just not like it, this. It's not like we're not, a, it's not a war, and we're not in the military. No. You know what I'm saying? So... But okay. there are times
1: it becomes warlike. There's there, that's the difference. I remember I gravitated towards working narcotics in, in Northwest District of Baltimore. We had a problem with Jamaican drug gangs, uh, and they they all were record producers, and they had posse's, and they had uh, I believe they're called Jungle Lights, which were supposedly guys who were trained in guerrilla warfare by Cuban military. And they were lighting up D.C. with MAC-10s and Ingrams and, and, and Uzis and everything else. And it was constant bloodshed. And they were trying to stuff in Baltimore. And you'd go after them. And you had to do business with a 38 and a piece of wood. And a can of mace that we always said only worked against innocent bystanders and police. It didn't work against anybody else. So the first tool you had to use was this. Um, and I wish we had some of the tools we had. Uh, that they have nowadays. Uh, the, the Kevlar shields and, and things that we didn't have that. None right, uh, of the stuff was even heard of. You just went and took care of business and did what you had to do.
0: Um, did you see the picture of the guys that came with their own shields? They, they made wooden yeah. shields? Yeah.
3: <laughs>
2: it's, I, thought it's it ma- I thought it was Maximus and Gladiator. That up there, right? <laughs> but you so know, it'll be Jay- like Vikings
1: you? soon, right? we put stack <laughs> the shields up and, and then uh, throw spears at each other. That's and, right. and bows and arrows. But hey, Jay, look, there's he, old Molotov cocktails and rocks and bags of urine. Uh, that's not
2: new either. No. But, Jay, one of the things that we just lost in New York City, and it's baffling because most of the really good cops in New York City that became detectives came up through the anti-crime program. And right. whether it was the citywide anti-crime or the precinct anti-crime, some of your best cops that became your best detectives came up through anti-crime. And anti-crime is such an important part to each precinct's, uh, say, tactical plan to go to address guns, to address street assaults, to address robberies. They don't have that anymore. They don't have that stealthy uh, unit that can address those problems anymore. So I don't know if they just want cops to be like the March of the Wooden Soldiers and just, you know, that old term omnipresence, just be out there like a scarecrow and not be proactive i think that's
1: what they want you know that's definitely what they want they want look there is um and i don't say this to be disrespectful we have police that really look good they're i mean they're handsome devils they're handsome men and women they look great in uniform they're they're striking their appearance and they've never gotten bloody a day in their life and that was one of those and and they're they're
0: just described me mobile
1: secretaries the last ones that show up on any kind of hot call that they that, that were never there and stuff and that's what they want they want window dressing they don't want people actually going there and say look this 15 year old is leading a drug gang they're all armed with stolen weapons and, and they're terrorizing neighborhood they don't want three or four street cops going down there and taking care of business and locking them up they just no. don't want that they'd rather people
2: ignore it that's right that's exactly right and, you know, all the tools and the technology, you know, Google has the, the rights or put out the facial recognition program. They were right. trying to take that away from the police. Yeah. They don't yeah. want the police to be able to use that. I mean, if you've ever been a detective or an investigator, one of the most difficult things to do is to get someone identified. And a tool like facial recognition is invaluable. You know, right. and then these, these companies that, are within this country, and should abide by the rules of this country and the laws. They're gonna withhold a technology because they don't like the police.
0: Yeah, but you know what? Shame on. Uh, you, you This should be a company that comes out that creates facial recognition just for law enforcement. That's a that's a ground ball. That's so no, it, it's,
2: it's Google because
0: Google's in that business. I mean, Google. <laughs> fuck Google. You could do your own. The only problem with all this shit is that they got a head start. Uh, Twitter and and, and Facebook. And, and uh, um, Instagram maybe social media
3: platforms,
0: uh, not so much Instagram, uh, th- a little bit, but just talking about politi- politicizing social media platforms, right? You, because whoever owns those companies, whichever way they're going to lean, you know, you're going to get certain information. And that's the big complaint uh, by the right that, you know, their, their voices get squashed on social media. Well, you got to create your own there has well, to be competing there has to be a fox network for social media i mean besides for their or well, they need to expand on social media like well,
2: 1400 employees of google voted to to have google not allow the police to use facial recognition and the president of google overrode them and said no we, we have to let the police use it I well
0: mean, right now they're talking about um there's there's a law where you can um, you know get rid of this law and then all of a sudden they could be liable for for lawsuits by so you know by by civilians, these social media platforms and that 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 could that's a a, a, a slippery slope to say the least, you know now all of a sudden you're in, just in you're involved in in lawsuits in court because somebody felt like they were being harassed on your site which can't happen now but will happen if um, oh. they go through with this.
2: A New York City cop just got arrested today or was yesterday for using a chokehold yep. on video. Now, my question with that is, if you're involved in what's uh, considered to be deadly physical force, how can they make rules like you're not, you're not allowed to do certain things? The bad guy's allowed to do whatever he wants to do. But if you're fighting for your life, they even, New York City cops now are not allowed to put their knee in the, in the person's back to get him handcuffed that just that just came out this is written by idiots on the city council and other politicians have
0: written this that's yeah, the first thing you do when you handcuff police with non lethal non lethal weapons that's the problem is that we're so dated on non lethal weapons you know if at some point this argument should be about well it's not for, it's not fair that we're using the the wrap because the people can't run away that's the argument i want to hear <laughs> exactly yeah. I mean, why aren't we using... Why I haven't seen one BOLO wrap in any freaking of these demonstrations. Not once. And they've been promoting... Who's using this thing? They and promote what? it all the they, time. You're giving them a free commercial. They don't pay it. i are just saying that's one of many non-lethal weapons we could be using. Yeah. Where's our stun gun? Why are we still using guns? We should why don't have a we stun do gun this? It shuts down your but, whole nervous system.
1: Why don't we start off with backing the police when they've done nothing wrong when they did the job we asked them to do and if use whatever if you if you issue them all these non-lethal weapons and they use it in this current climate they're still going to get arrested and charged and they, the politicians are full like what party has because they can't stand the heat
0: if you look at this show um is it on hbo Watchmen, the Watchmen. You ever see that show?
1: No, I haven't seen it yet. My daughter's told me about it, so I gotta watch. If you
0: it. want to use your gun, you have to go in front of the board and and like get a permission to do it. <laughs> like there's a meet, there's like this huge meeting, and then like the police department will say, okay, in the case of this crime, we're going to allow you to you you can take you can basically use your weapon. Take your weapon out. You can use deadly force, and it has to be agreed upon by like fucking everybody <laughs> you know it's it's uh and that's you get the huddle up first for. Yeah.
1: hey hold on don't shoot at me yet i got to confer with my associates
0: no that's exactly what happens you go and you go in front of the board and um you know there's a there's a whole you got to watch the show it's um and the, it's so funny how like these shows they kind of almost predict the future in a way they're all wearing masks mm-hmm. the, the the police officers in this show have to um, always be uh, covered. Their face is covered because they don't want their identities known. And um, it's interesting. It's an, you should. It's worth to watch definitely, to see. And all this stuff. That's you know. It's so funny. Even the, the Black Mirror. Like all this shit that's going on right now. It's like it's like an episode. It's like a episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> it's like unbelievable. You well, you know, th-
2: there was a uh, another professor, a law professor at John Jay that said, there should be a judge who determines whether a cop was rightfully in fear of his life. Like, can you believe that someone wants to legislate whether or not a cop feared enough for his life that he pulled out his weapon? Or that he fired at somebody? Like, that's not a personal decision. Some bureaucrats or some left-wing professors are going to decide whether or not you should have feared for your life enough to pull out your weapon
0: yeah but you know you, you see all this shit right and you know because we worked in big metropolises you know new york city baltimore um but then these three cops got fired i think it was in north carolina because they were had their body cams on and they were saying really racist stuff and it's like you know, really, is that the way you really feel? Because I'm, I'm lucky, I never worked with people like that, that were- uh... I never
1: did either. And 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 stuff like that was would never come out of our mouths because it was totally unacceptable. It, the rule we w- lived with was you respect everyone until they change the tone of the conversation. And then there was no backing down. So it didn't matter what your skin color was, you treated everybody the same. I, I never knew any cop that ever talked like that. And if he did, man, the first thing we'd do is we'd, we'd have a discussion and say, don't ever show up on my calls, don't ever come here, and people think that we don't talk, we do talk, but everybody in station house would know. Everybody would know that so-and-so, you don't want him around, and then they would take action or not, and most of the time they didn't, because a lot of the cops, a lot of the bosses were lazy or incompetent.
0: Right? Yeah, I think that's probably the, the major, if you're a civilian listening to that you're saying to yourself, well, that, that's the problem right there, because even though you know those people, because like you said, you could be you could be uh, working in a command and, you know, people get cliquish and the people that hang out together, you know what I'm saying? And they could be three or four guys. They're in a click and they kind of sort of all think the same and nobody bothers, you know, getting in their click. And if you do, you might pick up on some of the, the things that they just say casually back and forth. You know, like it's like, it's nothing, you know what I'm saying? And you realize, oh yeah, I don't want to be part of these guys. This, this is not my thing. But on the other hand, like people feel like, Hey, you know, that's the kind of stuff you got to uproot and get out, not just uh, stay away from them, you know?
1: Well, we say to people, if, when I was a street cop, if someone, and I'm going use a hypothetical here, if someone did something that really crossed the line, how we learned is by other people teaching us, uh, and I was taught by a lot of Vietnam combat veterans, and they didn't play around. They were great police, um, and we had a few commanders around who were Korean War veterans, and they also didn't play around. And if you were out of line with anybody, they would talk to you, and you get a lesson, and you learn how to do police in the right way. And if you continued on with that, you get drugged into the parking lot. If you settled that way, and if you didn't learn, you get fired. Uh, and someone get locked up if you do something that's criminal you get locked up that's the way it goes so a lot of these police who talk about i saw so-and-so and and first thing i say to them is what did you do you saw this and what did you do about it and they go well
2: nothing then you're part of the problem right right. exactly well jay one of the problems now too is that cities want to take away the indemnification of police officers. <laughs> right. They, they do. They want to take that away. So going to take everything away. Take, why would you take any risks if you can be personally You're sued right and they won't indemnify you? What risks are you going to take? You're going to do your eight hours and go home.
1: Right. If you show up late, you can get sued then. Yeah. So it, why would you even do the job? My family's welfare would be directly at risk. And I still got sued. So it's not like the way qualified immunity works a lot of people think of confused with blanket immunity there's no such thing as blanket immunity for police what and i'm paraphrasing qualified immunity means when you do things that are statutory criminal or way out of your scope as a police officer you can get sued if you do your job within normal limits that a reasonable prudent police officer would agree with then you're going to be not held liable you can't be sued for.
3: Well,
2: the, but people word, will
1: sue you anyway.
2: Well, the word we were always taught was reasonable.
3: It, exactly.
2: Like, right. Your actions were reasonable. Then the city, would, uh, the corporation council would indemnify <laughs> you. And if you were sued, they would cover any damages that right
0: be paid out.
2: But they don't the take that same, away right now.
0: One of the things that's changing too is there used to be, there was a protocol that's completely gone now, all of a sudden. They're firing you on the spot. That too. There's no, there's no department trial. You know, a lot of these guys that are getting fired right now, they're gonna sue and they're gonna get their jobs back. Yep, yep, and get back paid. Yeah, and it's you know it was a big show at the time. It was a big show at the time because we yeah. fired him. He got fired, and guess what? He's back.
2: Right. Where is the due process when they just fire someone? I remember like in the, in the in Michael Brown, in the Michael Brown shooting, when that that first came out. You thought everyone was ready to hang that cop, yep. and when they waited to see the and hear the investigation, it turned out the physical evidence proved he was telling the truth. Yeah, but they fired him anyway. That guy got fired anyway.
0: Yeah, and this is the, the cancer culture we're living in right now. People are getting a lot of people are getting fired um, with no due process, just you know, as a as a knee jerk reaction to satisfy the masses. And a lot of these people, if they sue for their job, they're going to get it back. Like you said, Jay, they're going to get back pay, right. and uh, they'll they'll be snuck on the job, which you don't really want to be back on the job. But you'll still, if you want to just take your money and run, God bless you. And I'm talking about in the in the in the corporate world too. People do a tweet, they say a funny tweet, or what they think is funny, they get fired, and um, it's, it's you, you just can't. <laughs> There's a protocol that has to be involved. At some point, this freedom of speech is, is going to come back and bite a lot of these companies in the ass.
1: It's going to, and I I keep saying Atlanta. I think people think things are bad in Atlanta right now. When those officers are found not guilty, oh, and they yeah. and they sue for their jobs back, and they get their jobs back, that city is going to burn.
3: Yeah, yep.
1: Because the lack of leadership, starting at the mayor to the police chief. Said, let's handle it this way, and let's appease the population by doing this when it's not the right call.
2: Well, and, and also that that DA is under investigation himself. Absolutely,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was uh, that was, the, and the charges. You know, if you want to lose a case, any prosecutor will tell you overcharge.
1: Overcharge, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: So you're basically setting yourself up for another, another, um,
2: another riot.
0: Another riot, no. Ri- riots for days. I mean, it's it's almost like when I saw those charges, I was like, "You want to, you want to, you're welcoming another riot,
1: right?" Because
0: yeah. there's no way they're going to be able to prove that. They're going to somewhere along the line, they're going to have to recharge them if they haven't done it already. I think they might have done it already. Recharge them. I think. I think I read somewhere that they they, because the the, the the charges are ridiculous.
1: Did you hear that his mother got fired from her job because I heard like, that, yeah. his stepmother?
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, all. but she tweeted something. She she, I'm not saying it was right to fire her, but what I'm saying, if your job you if your job, uh, if, depending on what your job is, a lot of times they are making you sign contracts where, you know, right. you have to uh, agree to watch your voice on on social media. And if she did it at work. Because if you're if you're on work on your work computer and they can prove it and you were you were posting stuff that was controversial, it's a problem. But yeah. half the other people who do that, they want to give them a uh, verbal warning. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I don't agree with it. I'm just, you yeah. know, people... I, I hear you. Yeah.
1: I, and it's one of the things I get all the time. People are saying, and a lot of cops I know, a lot of retirees, and look, I use Facebook and all the social media for it promoting the podcast and a radio show and and posting articles that drive traffic to law enforcement today. And it's an important tool. I, I tell people, Facebook is the world's largest marketing platform and it's free. So be careful what you post. But I go on there now and I'm, I'm sickened by what I see and I don't look at it. So a lot of cops I know are saying, I'm done with Facebook or I'm not going to counter it. And I keep telling them, look, if you just give up, and you decide you're not putting out any reality or any truth from our perspective then you're, you're just giving up all control to the the left wing or the, the lunatics whoever they might be yeah. and saying okay i give up i quit
0: yeah i
2: understand what you're saying
0: ahead. i saw yeah. a post um somebody getting fired because they liked somebody else's tweet right exactly because they like candace owens's tweet right she was let go from her job that's something that's a to me that's a i mean you're not even once again you better hope you're not doing it on job time if you're on job time you shouldn't be on social media no you shouldn't
1: but i i have to do it and you guys do it to to degree too if i want to compete with the big boys that's that's the big leveling field right there that's the one i use and i have to be very smart and not post things that are controversial or uh stay away from certain subjects and i keep my personal opinion out of it it's like when i do the radio show it's about the guests it's really not about me um right. because it, it first of all tell that
0: to joe rogan yeah <laughs>
1: He was well, just sir, laughing. Doesn't...
0: He was laughing at what somebody else said and they they they, they wanted to try to uh, pull him down. Unfortunately, <laughs> that's not going to
1: happen. He's so no. powerful. Yeah. yeah he just, he's uh his
0: his deal now I think with Spotify is 100 million. million. Yeah, but the, even even if he didn't have Spotify, it, the only thing you're doing is getting him more listeners. You know, they're trying to that's poke the bear right now just to see how what they can get away with, seeing if anybody'll will, will, You know, because you don't want to look like you're going to lose the situation. But there was, you know, comments made on his show and uh, they rub people the wrong way. So they're like poking the bear just to see, well, can we get any steam here? And if they don't, they're going to back out. Like, I'm pretty sure they already backed out because it's not you can do to him just as long as he has those listeners. And he's not going to lose any listeners no, because that's not what his show is about. Nobody tunes in there to hear him talk about little women. They talk right. about, you know, they want to learn about, you know, Cook and Elk or or UFC or Neil Tyson DeGraw or any one of the fascinating guests that he has on there. It's not about, it's not about, um, you just, that was a bad moment. Right. You know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. So, well, Joe
1: Rogan, Joe Rogan, there's a lot we can learn from him. Um, and that's one of the things that, when I'm sort of chasing radio, I, I had to learn to try to learn from the people who are very good at what they do, Uh, Howard Stern, uh, Rush Limbaugh. Um, And I don't have to agree with them. I don't like everything they do. I don't always like their shows, but there's certain things they're really good at and they know how to do it. And if I don't learn how to use that in my field, then shame on me. Uh, I always say this to everybody, it doesn't matter what field you're in, professional athletes, for example, a lot of talent, a lot of skill, incredible physical presence. But they all have coaches, they have physical trainers, they have assistant coaches, they have teammates, they rely on everybody else to help them get better. If I don't do that, then I'm never going to get anywhere, you know, so I've got to use Joe Rogan, what he does well and learn from him.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if
2: well, he's the best. He's the best at the podcast business. That's for sure. Right.
0: And the irony of it all is that Howard Stern was uh, poop, uh, shitting on podcasts in the beginning. Right. <laughs> and now, you know, I, I I think of him like being in a well. You know, you're stuck in Sirius. Um, Sirius is uh, the only, I don't know, I, I to me, I, I don't see how long it could, it could last. It comes with your car. If it didn't come with your car, you wouldn't get it. Four yeah. months
1: later, most people don't pay for it.
0: So, yeah, after it's over. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of that too, and I had it for a couple of years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but you know, now he's in this well, and he, he you know he had a in the, you know Donald Trump was one of his guests, his regular guest on the show. So you had he could have had access to the White House right now for this last four years, but instead he wanted to go with Hillary, who lost, and he you know now he's got nothing. Now she comes on the show. Who gives a shit? And yeah. Donald Trump's not going to talk to him so now what does he do he has you know he's sinking and he's in this well so he he's yelling shit out you know that's fucking crazy and um then they came back and they they hit him with uh with his bit with um Sherman Hemsley remember him from um (laughs) yeah we're moving on up yeah they did that they did a skit you know and uh he's using the n-word there and he's in blackface It's not a sexy look. So it's 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 ironic how this all these things that they want to, these woke people are are fighting against it comes back and bounces, uh, bites their uh, leaders right in the ass. Jimmy Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel.
2: Jimmy Kimmel too. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's always very critical of everyone else. Welcome to woke, woke culture. You know,
0: (laughs) and don't get me wrong. I'm never knock anybody for trying to be funny. I don't see anything wrong with any of it. You know, and I, I to me, you got offended. Hey, listen, it was an attempt at a joke. It didn't work. Fuck it. Because I'm a comedian at heart. Well, when I do radio,
1: one of the first things I learned is when I do jokes, I'm a our, our music radio show, for example. They're very quick. They're very short. And they're always directed at me. They're never directed at someone else. And the reason being is or me and my family. And it's, it's very vague. But the punchline's still there. The reason being is everybody, we are in a culture now where everybody's offended. And that started back with, when they started changing the rules about sexual harassment, where it didn't have to be proven that you harassed them. If you felt like there was oh, yeah, a sexual advance, yeah. then there was. Yeah, but
0: don't forget too, I mean, if, you, if you're, these comedians that are so, uh, they're just self-deprecating, it's interesting for like, you know, 10 minutes. But if you gotta do 45 minutes, Nah, well, that's, I'm, that's I'm, why I don't do
1: stand-up because I, yeah, I have to for, live for by me. FCC I'm saying rules. so you got to
0: poke fun at shit. You got to make fun yeah. of stuff. You know what I'm saying? Your observations, the way you feel about stuff, and you know it's a, it's not an accident that we're attacking comedy right now because comedy is, a lot of people believe the last, uh, thing you know towards free speech. And what we want, we're shutting voices down right now all the time, sure. and. If you believe that a really good comedian could make you think a little bit differently politically if if they just word things right, I and mean, be like, you know what? Like, you, there's so many of them. You can go back to the George Carlin. You know, George, Carlin
1: George Carlin couldn't survive today. They Dave Chappelle.
0: Well, the, listen. Richard Pryor would be out of work. business. One of these things that we, we failed to realize is we were talk about this time, you know? You know um, but the reality is, is that... yeah,
2: hey, I thought you flipped over in your chair. I'm glad it was... Just- <laughs> <laughs> I
0: was I'll like, oh, what to
2: do that? <laughs> I thought you fell off a stage or something.
0: Don't this like is it. not the first time that we're going through this kind of stuff.
2: No.
0: I not- always no. tell people, my, my father was on a watch list. You know, he was a radical in the late 60s, uh, early 70s. And he was a Marxist and a communist and a socialist <laughs> and an atheist and all this kind of stuff. And... um you know, that that haunted him being on uh, uh, all his what he did as a young man politically. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this kind of stuff is it's not new. It, it's just this is the biggest push that we've ever seen. There's been pushes. With socialism and but this is the biggest one. This one's gathered the most steam. And every time we try to put out the fire um, or we think we're moving on, then we get covid. And then COVID will take the place for it for a little while to continue putting fear in us. And then hopefully something else will happen with the police and we can go back to that agenda. And we're just going to keep flip-flopping back and forth between these two continuous putting fear in everybody.
1: Well, it's a pendulum effect and everything swings back and forth. So uh, I I think that. I've applied for a dual citizenship. I've applied for uh, Irish citizenship because my grandparents were born there, and I haven't gotten it yet. But I, I'm thinking I want that option where I can turn around and say, "Okay, if things turn into much worse, then I'm going to go somewhere like over in County Kerry, and I'll just chill out."
0: Isn't that uh, funny, man? I was thinking about that too. I was thinking about places. Yeah. Where else can I go? Where Where can I go? I'm in New York so, my whole there's life. There's
1: so little violence there. That's the thing. Uh, when I was there visiting Mark, they have a population in Republic of Ireland about four point seven million people. They had seventeen homicides in, for the year. Seventeen. Uh-huh. Baltimore, with six hundred sixty thousand people, had three hundred and six. Right. Come on, what is the difference?
0: Yeah, Why- well, I'm just, before before I can even think about another country, I was thinking just here in the United States because um, where I, I saw a map yesterday of. Real estate, uh, all the real estate that's available are for sale in New York. Yeah. It's astounding. It's a whole thing. It's just, it looks like you live in a red state because there's just these constant little dot red things. Um, And, you know, if people are looking to bail out, where's everybody going? People are fleeing. The housing market's on fire down here. I mean,
1: Palm Beach County, it's, there's buyer after buyer from New York City down here now. It's nonstop. Well, Jay, gotta be another up. place, though, man.
0: Besides for besides for uh, Florida, maybe Texas. That's it, this yeah. is a funny conversation, though, because when you start thinking about bailing out on where you grew up and where you lived, and it, that's even the problem. Like in Seattle, for example, you may be a liberal in Seattle. You know, you may sympathize with certain leftist ideas, but now your whole neighborhood gets taken over. You own a business, you own property there. You know, you know, you don't want to lose all your stuff because because of this stuff you know what i'm saying so now all of a sudden you feel like a hypocrite because you want to call the cops on these people because they're camped down in front of your house now
2: and they won't in, in san francisco they won't kick the homeless off the sidewalk they'll fine you for putting a big uh, you know a, a big trellis around so they can't camp out there it's it's unbelievable yeah. who has the rights no more for the taxpayer it's for the, someone that has some kind of affliction that's who we have to feel sorry for what well, if you're, you're born
1: and raised there? Your whole family's there. You got to uproot and get rid of everything you know because the, the local government's given up and, and throw their hands in the air and, and have little meltdowns. Like if you don't do the things we want, well, then we're just going to find you.
0: Yeah, but the funny thing with the homeless too is that it's just money that's not being used for the homeless. No. I mean, for crying out loud, if you got that many homeless, maybe you should create a situation where If you'd like to have a little apartment, um, you could have it. I mean, we're already at a point right now, we're giving so much money away. Why are we giving it or creating a situation? Okay, we have a lot of homeless. Let's just build a structure in every city where we can give somebody a room. They can have a toilet. They can have a place to put their stuff. Come and go as they please so they can feel like a human being.
2: Well, because well, they don't want—they don't want to be on the outskirts of town. They want to be on the ocean, where you I are. I not care
0: where they want to be; just put them there. But I'm just saying this way, they're not in front of well, your house. I telling
2: you how it is. That's how it is. They don't want to be on the outskirts of town where they. do well,
0: Yeah, but yeah, but the thing is, is you know, like look at New York City. I mean, is you could pay so much money for for your apartment, but you go downstairs, and there happens to be um, a methadone clinic right across the street from you. Right. so now you got all the Methodonians hanging out all day and you know within that block but these people they don't spend a lot of time if you live in the city walking around their neighborhoods they got a car waiting for them outside or they, they walk to the gym whatever it's not like you're going to go hang out and it's a whole different mindset over there in new york city but if they um, did
1: what you suggest with the apartment complex for the homeless people some of the newspaper would call it a, a Almost like a concentration camp. That's what how they'd word it. They'd say they're being, uh, they'd say they're being institutionalized and they're being uh, held captive against their will, and
0: oh. they use all kinds of terms like that. Look at the look at the homeless situation. The way they used to run it in New York, for example, if you wanted a bed, you had to go. It's almost like the Will Smith movie when he before it became the yep. uh, the Wall Street broker with yeah. his child and then was on the subway. Yeah. They're waiting online line um, to get their, uh, their, their, their bed for the night. And the reason why they used to do that, inconvenience the homeless constantly like that, was because they didn't want them getting comfortable. They wanted your family or a friend to take you in at some point. But that whole moving around, every day trying to find a bed, instead of looking for work or finding an opportunity, I got to stand on this line for a day, so I got to get a bed for tonight. It's just, that's the way the city's worked instead of trying to help these people. So, it, and that was for years, for years when I was on the job, you know, I just didn't understand. We, could, it. We, we couldn't help them. We we try and you like the same guys every day. You, what I remember going to a, a shelter one time to pick up somebody in a warrant and the guy was like, yo, uh, I got to bring my tools with me. You can't, you can't bring your tools with you. What the fuck am I going to do with them? What happens if they keep you? You know, that's what I'm thinking in my head. I said, Nah, you can't bring your tools with you. And he goes, no, no, I need them because they're going to steal them. And I need them for work. And then it comes to find out that this guy wasn't a, a scale or a piece of shit at all. He was a guy who was going through a divorce. He had three yep. kids. Uh, all of his money is going to make sure that they can stay in the apartment. He's the one that's out. He's living, temporarily living in this shelter right now. He needs his tools for work. So I took his tools. I held on to his tools for him. And then when he got done with the warrant, we went back to the command. I got the, because they didn't hold him, I gave him his tools back. But I was going to hold those tools until, you know, he got out. Because the whole thing doesn't make any fucking sense.
1: But you do that today, Mark, and someone says, there's a complaint made. The police stole his tools. Exactly. Got them away from him. And guess what? You get fired without any, any due process, and then you get arrested, and you get tried.
0: You're right. I mean, it's a different, it was a different time. Uh, You know, I spoke a different language to these people. So we we had a, we had a a connection. I worked with them. It worked out. That happened a lot of times with me when I was working, you know what I'm saying? And there's so many different incidents. You know, I think of the fucking, those poor guys in, uh, in Atlanta and what they're under. And especially like, I would have just knocked on that window and said, hey, buddy, you got to go. And then I would have waved at the people in Wendy's and we would have gotten in the car. And an hour later, they would have called up and said, this guy didn't move yet. He's still here. And then we would have came back an hour later. Hey, hey, you got to go. All right. <laughs> we I'm not. And then back in the day, if the guy was really intox, and under these type of situations where you know the tension, the racial tension that's going on, you know, maybe you put that fucking guy in the car, drive him home. Yeah. And God forbid he comes back and gets that
1: car and kills someone and sues you. Right, right. and you like hold, I before. held
0: down the keys. I held down the keys. Yeah. I told him where it was the next day, put it in their apartment. I did that kind of stuff so many times.
1: And every time, here's, here's a good example. And I've asked, chiefs of police, this all the time with body cameras, because I've heard complaints that body cameras limit the ability to use discretion. For officers, how many times did the kid have a nickel bag of pot and he dumped it out in the sewer and told him to go away? You do that now, and you say that guy, that cop just destroyed evidence.
3: Yeah.
1: In certain cities, that's still illegal. And guess what? You hope to God when you did that that no one complained, and some did to go. He threw away my pot, and now I got to write like crazy, and I got to go to IID and back up why I did what I did right. for, for trying to give a kid a break. There's no doing the right thing anymore, you know? No, it's like, so if you lock a guy up, you're in trouble. If you don't lock him well, up, you're you in know, trouble. It's
0: interesting that you bring that up because you say, my first thought was they want robots. Well, that's what they're going to get. I mean, the reality is we're going towards that anyway. People don't realize, you know, when they talk about the funding police, they're talking about privatizing police departments. Anybody who could afford their own security will get it. There'll they'll be uh, gated communities. Even in Manhattan, there's going to be gated communities There'll right. be semi-gated communities, and then there will they'll be the poor people that rely on the municipalities. But the municipality is going to be cut in half, literally. I mean, you're talking about thirty-five thousand New York City police officers in ten years. I guarantee you, it's going to be twenty thousand. You're going to have you're going to have big cuts in
1: and smaller communities. I had, I didn't come from a police family. I came from a, a military family, and uh, but I had a cousin who was chief of police uh, many years ago, of Great Neck, New York, and when he heard I was a, a police in baltimore he said what are you doing i said well I'm, I'm in narcotics now he's like oh my god get away from that don't do that and i asked him, what he do?" he says we basically we, we monitor alarms that's what we did what and this, he was a great guy this was back back in the we day is alarms we monitored alarms that's all <laughs> we did oh okay. for, right uh, a wealthy neighborhood neighbors like that they're going to yeah. be okay they, and those are the ones who hold elected office who are the power shakers, the movers, that tell everybody what to do because they think the rest of the world is like that. And it's not. And I have nothing against Great Neck New York. I think it's a beautiful place Um, and for great
0: people. It just, if you just take, if you think about the way the future is gonna be within the zones, you're gonna have residential zones. uh, You're gonna have commercial zones. It's gonna be all through the city. And you're gonna get off at a train stop And instead of putting your Metro card in to get on the train, you're going to have to swipe it to get off. Right. It's not going to open for you because you don't live there. Right. And you don't go to school there and you don't work there. So your Metro, you don't have a card for that. And you're going to have to wait for the next train because you're not invited into that zone. And that's why we're not going to need so many municipalities. And you know,
1: that reminds me of World War II in Germany. That's what it reminds me of. And it reminds me of what? Yeah, my great, great, great grandparents went through in Ireland what they went through with people being starved to death, you know, and shipped off to other countries, and because you're too much trouble. And, and that's I don't think the solution. That's not the American way, but that's what people are pushing for because it's it's more sanitary. No, I
0: just is- I
2: just want to bring up one thing because it's a, a huge topic, and we're we're already up on the hour. The Captain's Endowment Association, which is the union that represents captains on the NYPD, sent a letter to the police commissioner and the mayor saying that with all this stuff going on, they should get rid of Comstat Because there's no way you can hold the cops responsible for pushing hard against crime anymore because you're taking all the tools away from them. But basically, he doesn't want commanding officers to have to push in communities of color because there's no support. So he recommended they get rid of CompStat, the program that lowered crime 70% you know, in 30 years.
0: Uh-huh. So they want to get rid of that now. Well, I understand that guy's argument. I, what am I going to go there and get my fucking ass handed to me every single week just for a show when we can't even do police work right now? Fuck you. <laughs> right. Fuck you. Stop it. I'm not saying if I can not do police work. Stop having this stupid meeting.
2: But the city also put up posters on the bus stop with a picture of a cop saying, "We're, we're sorry for what." I we're
1: heard doing. about that.
2: Uh, it's sickening. Sickening. Yeah, and they're on the bus stops.
1: I'm not apologizing for something I didn't do. If I was wrong, that's my deal. No man. That's and, and good I'm
2: good. not.
1: I am not going to grovel before anybody for someone else's behavior. Oh, I'm not doing
0: that. it. Everybody's saying shit like, "Oh, you know, you should just." Uh, you know, um that seems to be the thing right now about like uh you know you if, if you're not if you're not sorry or if you're not apologizing, then you're part of the problem. Nah, fuck you. I, I treat everybody great. I love person, that's my job.
2: Yeah.
0: Everywhere it's well, fine right, in the
2: world. And it Bill doesn't matter. Bratton, Bill doesn't Bratton doesn't matter. wrote a book called Take Back, and it was about the whole Comstead process. And he said as the numbers started dropping you had to start investing in the communities in different types of programs. And they didn't do that enough. They just kept to drive the numbers down, drive it down, drive it down lower, drive it down even lower when people's rights were being violated.
0: Yeah, well, it's all about the administration. And unfortunately, uh, as a law enforcement officer, you're caught in between. So when you're constantly uh, patrolling a certain area and it's been beaten to death, and you have to stop somebody just because they're out at two o'clock in the morning to fill out this stupid piece of paperwork that you have to fucking hand in at the end of the month. You know what I'm saying? Whose fault is that? It's the administration's. And then it comes back to bite you in the ass because all those people are fucking fed up. And, um, now we're at the total opposite. We're to, at the total other end of it. They don't want you to get involved unless they call you. And when they call you, um, you know, that you got to do exactly what they say. And a lot of times you got to conduct an investigation. A fucking idiot girl, that Karen that was in Central Park, yelling over the phone about, um, you know, he's harassing me. It's an African-American male. He's harassing me, threatening my life. Now the police show up. Where is he? Oh, he's right there. And you see the guy, he looks and he starts walking away real fast. Now you chase him. He doesn't want to get stopped. You throw him on the ground, you cuff him based off of this fucking asshole's call to 911 and what she just told you right now, and then you realize the guy didn't do nothing afterwards, right? Who's going to get sued right there, her or, or the police?
1: The police. they going got deep pockets.
0: Yeah. Well, that's another thing with the privatizing police. If you look at the city, I mean, this, uh, just look at the city from this, uh, uh, a mayor's perspective. Why, we can unburden ourselves of half of these lawsuits. Right. Exactly. You know, because if you hire private security, they're only indemnified to a certain amount. They're going to fight everything in court. So the lawsuits are going to be... You try to fight... Look at Disney. Disney has their own police. Right. If you just look at that. They got a jail downstairs. They got a judge upstairs. And if you sue them, you're never going to win because they're going to fight you the whole way and you can't afford it. So right. they never shed a penny in lawsuits. And that's what's going to happen all throughout the country right now. We're already experiencing, I mean, we're already in the, in the, in the building that, of that up. Privatizing police. So if you're paying attention out there and you're investing in the stock market, find yourself a nice uh, security company. And uh, the, biggest, the bigger the better. And invest in that because that's what I'm doing. That's the yes, way of the police right move. there. That and non-lethal weapons. It, they're going to have to use them at some point. And robots. That's another good investment. Robots. Robocop. There was a movie years ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, stun guns, all that shit. It's coming, brother. All I'm saying is I'm glad I'm retired. Yeah, me too. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, like like you said earlier today, and I don't want to, I hate saying that because I remember when I was a rookie and I would have uh, veteran cops tell me, I don't know how you took the job, kid. And it's like, we're talking about 1992. Right. Like, when you look at these kids now, you feel like you're saying the same thing to them. But the reality is, it's, it's not the same job anymore. It's, it's, it's so much more stressful.
1: Yeah. I, feel, I feel so bad for the, the guys and gals that got like 12, 13 years on. And they realize, like in Baltimore, we used to have a 20-year retirement. Then they picked an arbitrary date and said, everyone after this date can retire at 20. Everyone uh, before that goes to 25. I had to fight him in court. We've been fighting in court forever and ever and ever, and they still dragged that out. So if you guys got 12, 13 years on, he's stuck. Where's he going to go? What's he going to do?
0: Yeah, You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Listen, that's why in my mind I said to myself, you know what? I already know what I want to do. When I get off this job, I'm going to take my money and run because you never know what could happen, you know? I've seen a lot of people who uh, got jammed up and stuff. They just were involved in peripherally. They People got killed. Cops got killed. I got a
2: friend in the homicide squad. He's got 37 years. And I called him up and I said, why aren't you running right now to the pension section?
0: Yeah, but don't forget, too, when you get that you're for, that's so far removed, you know, you're in a, a niche. You they
2: know, still go to the... They
0: still
2: that's the funny the thing,
0: home. too. You're in the homicide fucking squad. You got 37 years on the job. Your brain has so much knowledge in it and they need an extra body, so it's your turn to put the fucking uniform on and go down to these protests. Yeah. You know, you're not in the best or, shape anymore. You're not a young guy.
1: The homicide guy, you get called out, and you got an investigated off officer-involved shooting that's politically uh, teetering on the edge, and yeah. the guy did nothing wrong. Right,
2: mm-hmm. right, exactly. So <laughs> what, what are you
1: gonna do then? You gonna lock him up? Are you gonna say, I'm not doing this, he didn't do anything wrong? Or are you gonna uh, get sued because he took no action?
2: Well, that's where the politicians try to steer the investigation, you know?
0: Yeah. No matter what, all these officers that came on the job uh, recently, these uh, Gen X people, these millennials, they wanted to make a difference. They wanted to be social workers. You know, God bless you, man. And then you get hit in the head with a brick and it changes your whole attitude, man. Next thing you know, it's us against them. And you're looking around, brothers and sisters in blue, let's go get them. Because it, it, it takes that kind of stuff. It, it it kills whatever you had inside you to want to make a difference and be that better cop. And then you realize it doesn't make a fucking difference. They don't care. I mean, I was watching one white girl yell at two black cops. Yeah. Does that yeah. even make fucking sense?
1: No. There came a point where... I was like everybody else. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to help people. And I, and I still did towards the end, but I really wanted to survive. That's what I really wanted. It became so violent that it, it was as a sergeant and telling the guys, do the job right, do things the right way, but don't put yourself in a position where you can get hurt. that That's what it became. You go home to your family afterwards. We'll figure the rest out. But, and that's where it was at the end of my career. And I, I was after multiple surgeries and I felt like I let them down. Like I... Look, I'm gone now, and they're still there doing it. And I'm 33 at the time. Yeah. I felt like the, I let them down.
0: That's the one thing about the police departments, too, is that you realize, you know, as uh, in the, in the, uh, indispensable as you think you are. Oh, five <laughs> minutes <laughs> at the door, so I, right I, in. they don't
2: remember who you were. <laughs> don't even fucking he? matter. Who was that guy, Karen? Who was he?
0: <laughs> well, on that note, uh, I think we Thanks should guys. probably wrap it up. We're, 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 we're over an hour right now. What else you got going on, Jay? Uh, what, what, where can people find you? What can they listen to? You go to the easiest place is Facebook. Go
1: search out Law Enforcement Today radio show. Um, like and follow there. And by the way, great way to help police. You see stuff on there you like, share it on your page. Uh, right now we're on 41. I'll be getting word about two more stations probably this week. Um, and then it goes available as a podcast after it airs on radio like the example the episode I did with bill we'll go to podcast probably in about two weeks uh, and just go to let com, the be heard tab you'll find it there and by the way we also have our own podcast network which you guys are on uh, there's 20 shows on there as well uh, let com. if you got a podcast it doesn't matter if you're police firefighter nursing um anything like that just contact us and we want more shows. We want to help people grow and get more exposure. Uh, so go to com, the Be Heard tab, and you'll find both my show and the podcast network there as well.
0: Well, it was an honor to have you on. Uh, you're a great guest. I look forward to doing your show. Bill, any parting words?
2: Yeah, if you go on Jay's show, you can't say fuck every 10, ten minutes. No, because it goes on radio, <laughs> but it's recorded, so I bleep you
1: out. By you the bleep them out? <laughs> Mark, everybody, be like, and then I bleep. Then I went bleep. Then I went
0: bleep. No, no, bleep. no, no, no. I, I, Listen, I, I'm, 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 very aware of uh, the words I use. Uh, this is our show. This is the after hour show. So we, right. we open up a little bit more. But I don't need to curse. Uh, I don't need. I, I've done. An he's he's always been a, a proponent
2: me. of clean comedy, and then he comes on. The, the
1: FCC frowns on that, so I have learned to eliminate cursing from our language as much yeah, as possible.
0: I, listen, I, I, I'm, I have no problem with it. Uh, I, I, um. I, I don't like that much cursing either. I think I probably did a little bit today, but uh, th- this was an interesting show because you know we're, we're at a time right now where it's like usually these um, these riots they last three five days. We're right. a month in right now, and it just doesn't. It just seems like nobody's do it, put trying to put an effort into like, all right, enough. Let's go get home. Stop destroying well, b- the statue because,
2: because one side is supporting them. That's clear. Right. That's very clear. That's
0: right. Yeah, but still, I mean, some of these states where they're putting up with it too—a red state, uh, you know they're red states—and they're letting it go, and you know, enough already. I'm, let's let's move on. It also, too, the COVID doesn't help because you know. there's nothing else to do, and they're dragging their feet, opening up everything. But in hindsight, now look, now we get a second wave. So maybe it was the—is it really a second wave? A lot of people are testing positive, but we still don't know because what's the death rate? Are people just getting sick? People get sick. It's okay. Tell me how many people died. That's all I want to know. On that note, uh, this has been another episode of Police Off the Cuff After Hours. Thank you, Jay Wiley, for coming in. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Jay. God bless you. Uh, Enjoy Florida. I'm very jealous. You got a great (laughs) governor over there. I like what you guys are doing over there, man. And, Bill, um, that's it, man. We did another episode, man. You got another one in the can. I'll see you tomorrow. I'm coming over the house. All right, man. I'll have a few burgers for you. I got my Speedo. I'm ready to go. <laughs> i in the pool. I don't know about that. <laughs> Why? You don't want me to wear my Speedo? No, I don't. <laughs> We're going to take a picture, too, with my arm around you. <laughs> All I'm, right, man. I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding that one. See you guys.
3: <laughs>
1: Later, man. Okay. Later.
3: Good night.
1: Good night.